please join me in reading the litany of invitation and confession. We gather to hear God's call to service. Let us affirm the claims of Christ, who claims us all in love. We listen for God to speak. We are servants ready to serve. With longing hearts, we desire to experience God. With joyful songs and earnest prayers, we seek God. Sisters and brothers, let us live out our calling as a faithful community, and let us be honest in the confession of our sins. We confess our misplaced loyalties and ambitions. We confess our enslaved passions and greed. We ask God to forgive us. When we repent, we find God abundant in forgiveness and full of grace. We are forgiven. Let us live by the faith that makes us whole, and let us listen for the call and claim of God upon our lives. Let us lift our voices in praise to God. Welcome to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist Church on this Sunday that starts a new week after a very difficult week. A week of ice and snow and inconvenience and a lot of other things going on in this old world. But we have gathered here together today to worship God. And so welcome. Especially do we welcome those of you who are guests among us. There is on the edge of your order of service a welcome card. If you'd complete that and drop it in the offering plate when it's passed, it'll help me connect name and face with you. And also for any of you who would like to be prayed for this week or have a prayer request, place that on the card, drop it in the plate, and it's an honor for our staff and for our deacons to pray for you by name and by need uh, every week. As we join together and hear the scriptures today, I'll be preaching from the third scripture, the gospel. It's the story of Jesus calling four fishermen to come and follow him. And in the calling, it's a calling for mending of all the brokenness that we bring into the room from our lives and from our world. I thought that topic might be appropriate today. It is a word of mending. Following the time with the children later in the service, we will sing a new hymn. It is as an insert in your order of service. The choir will stand and teach us the first two stanzas, and then we will stand to sing the third and fourth and fifth stanzas. So welcome to the worship of God. Let us begin with open minds, open hearts, as well as open ears. Welcome. Jonah is sent to Nineveh to call the people to repentance. A reading from the book of Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk. And he cried out, Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone, great and small, put on a sackcloth. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Here ends the first lesson. Let us say our prayers. Gracious and loving God, as you've shown in the life of Jesus, whose epiphany we celebrate, 
so shine in us and through us, that we may become beacons of truth and compassion, enlightening all creation with deeds of justice and mercy. God, we pray for the good of the church and the concerns of those in need. There are many surrounding us who are sick, grieving, and hoping for relief. We ask you to comfort them and provide them peace. God, you spoke your word and revealed your good news to us. Fill all creation with that word again, so that by proclaiming your joyful promises to all nations and singing of your glorious hope to all peoples, we may become one living body, emanating your presence within us and around us. As we pray all these things today, remind us of the words that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying boldly, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Given the brevity of life, let us use our time wisely. A reading from the letter of Paul to the church in Corinthians. I mean, brothers and sisters, the appointed time has grown short. From now on, let those who have wives be as though they have none, and those who mourn as though they are not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they are not rejoicing, and those who buy as as though they had no possession, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. Here ends the second lesson. Girls and boys, you can join us at the front. And Pastor Daniel will take your offering. You can take a seat. Well, it's kind of like a dress-up hat. I brought a fireman's hat with me and a fire chief's jacket. Who wears these? Firemen. That's that's right. Have you ever been in a fire drill? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. At my school, we do a bunch of them. Yeah. Why? Yes, it's a fire drill is a warning, right? It's telling you that there's a fire, that you, you have to get out to be safe, right? Well, <clears throat> what are some other things that warn us of something? Warn us of something that might be a danger to us? Yeah. A siren? Maybe a tornado siren? A what? A water hose. Firemen use water hoses. That's right. Maybe there's a dog at... Yeah. Smoke. Smoke, yes. There's usually smoke with a fire. Smoke Smoke detectors, yes. They set off the... Yeah, tornado siren. Maybe a dog at home that barks when someone is walking up your driveway. That warns you that there's someone at the door, right? Well, our story today is about a man named Jonah. And God told him to go to this really, really big city called Nineveh. And that, that he had to give them a message from God, telling them that, that their city was going to be taken over and that they needed to do something about it. They needed to protect themselves. Jonah was giving them a warning. And the city was so big, bigger than Atlanta. Atlanta's really big, right? It is. There's lots of people here. So Jonah had to go and tell these people that there was, there was danger coming and that they needed to do something to protect themselves. And when they heard this, they believed him. They knew that God had told him what to say and that this was a message from God. I think that 
there are probably some people in our world today who need protection, right? Maybe that there's, they, there's sickness around them and they need our help to protect them, to keep them safe. I think that this week at school, we could all work on helping those around us and keeping them safe if there's anything that could harm them. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So, this week, if you see anyone who might go down the slide and hurt themselves, we can work together to keep them safe. Okay? Let's pray. Yes, that too. We can help save them. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for your love. We pray that we can help others and keep them safe around us. In your name we pray. Amen. Jesus preaches the kingdom of God and calls his first disciples. A reading from the Gospel according to Mark. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, 
follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat, mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Do you remember a time when a great sadness came over your life? Maybe so much so that it almost buckled your knees. It was so large. A great sadness that was so heavy that all you knew to do was to fall in the arms of someone who loves you. You knew that they couldn't fix what was broken, and so you asked for what you could, and you said to them, Tell me a story. Tell me a story. Now, for some of you, that was long ago when that day came. For others of you, that may have been last night. When a great sadness had come to you, and you fell in the arms of someone who loved, and you asked for a story. Story is a powerful thing, you know. It gathers up loose and frayed ends. It has the power to transport us to another world, a world that may be more mended than the world we live in. In a way, this is what we do every week when we come into this loving place, this sacred space. We come dragging in the frayed and afraid edges of our lives. We track in the week's wounds. This weekend, or this week, we may have brought in some snow and ice. This day, we brought in the government shutdown. This day, we brought in the news from a family in California with 13 kids that abused them, chained them, starved them, and tortured them. We've come into this place knowing that the welfare of many is threatened. We live in a world that's broken and overwhelmed and torn apart. And so we come in for the embrace of God and we say, tell me a story. Well, whatever you've brought into this place today, lean in. And let's see if we can open the family book and, and hear some hope. We, what we do is, like this story we've just heard from the gospel, we come near the shores of gentle Galilee, where things were simpler and life and times were simpler. Uh, they're simple fishermen in these simple days. But when we look into their eyes and look closely, we see that these days, those days, weren't simpler at all. They lived in the presence of an occupying army and an occupying government. They had cruel leaders, and the alleged Pax Romana, the Roman peace, came at the everyday low price of all of you need to stay in your place, and you know what that is. Even a poor fisherman's family in around Galilee had become defense contractors who fed the army and the architecture of Almighty Rome. You see, maybe it wasn't as simple as we think it was. We do see that Jesus is walking around the shore and he's fishing. That is, he's fishing for would-be disciples. His eyes are drawn to James and John and what they are doing. It's a chore that every fisherman knows well. It's called repairing. It's called fixing. It's called mending. Text says, for they were mending their nets. Now, I don't know what Jesus saw in these two guys, but it seems to me that Jesus would want somebody on his team who knew how to mend things, to put things back together. I've spoken about this before, and it feels like I need to do so again. 
It feels like there's so much compromised in our world and in our country. There's so much that you as individual families are facing as challenges and also our congregation. It's tough to live a faithful life, but whatever else a faithful life means, it means attending to mending. When I was about 12 years old, uh, my home church in Louisiana got a new preacher. I guess I had met him, though I didn't remember. Uh, he was on his way to our church to pastor. And in the in-between, my grandfather, that would be my maternal grandfather, uh, had to go in the hospital in Shreveport for surgery. While he was in the hospital, the new preacher went by to visit him. My grandfather called the family and said, well, I vetted him and he's going to be okay. But this is how he did it. Uh, the preacher came in, pulled up a chair, started visiting with my grandfather and said, I see you have a Bible there. And he did. Now, it wasn't a King James Bible, and it wasn't a Revised Standard Bible, and it wasn't even a Gideon's Bible. It was the Fisherman's Bible. Now, you've seen those. Every hobby or vocation has the Bible that means everything you need to know about is supposed to be in that book. And sure enough, my grandfather, being a fisherman, had brought this Bible with him. It had everything in it from all kinds of fish to all kinds of bait, information about kinds of lures and lines and rods and reels, all kinds of knots, as in slip knots, blood knots, dropper knots, clinch knots, sur uh, surgeon knots, square knots, everything but the Bubba Gump Shrimp Company knot. It had them all. The pastor sees the fisherman's Bible and says to my grandfather, you know, our Lord loved fishermen, and so do I, because I'm a fisherman. Are you a fisherman too? And off they went in a good conversation. My grandfather called our family and says, I think we're going to like him. And we did. Text says, and, and they were mending their nets. Now, all of you who are fishermen know this. I guess that'd be Turner Warmack and Barney Moore is ill, can be here today. Chuck Steins is not here today. <laughs> be sure and tell Chuck I called his name, though. Zachary Steins would certainly know this. The thing about fishing is you have to fish where the fish are. And where the fish are is under stuff, under rocks and weeds between limbs and logs. To fish for the fish where they are, you're going to end up with a broken line or a hung-up hook or maybe a tear in your net. To be a fisher person means that you've got to get good at mending things. Two weeks ago when I preached from an earlier text in Mark's Gospel, I mentioned that this was one of Mark's motifs in his Gospel, torn things. The heavens are torn apart at his baptism. At his crucifixion, the curtain is torn in two in the temple. The end of the gospel, well, it, it looks like it's torn off. And the disciples, the witnesses that were there, leave all torn up. It says, and they left afraid. And in the middle of all of this story is story after story of torn lives. Maybe it was that Jesus knew, I need some guys who know how to mend things on my team. And maybe the fishermen, when they saw Jesus, said, we don't know exactly who he is, but it's our sense that this one can mend, mend lives, even ours. I was preaching on this notion of mending a few years ago. One of our members, Tom Vanderven, came up to me afterward. He quoted a writer named Julian Barnes. He said, Julian Barnes quotes some lexicographer who defined a net, a net as a collection of holes tied together with strings. <laughs> and then he said, it seems to me 
that without our human loving connections, most of our lives are little more than that, just holes in space. Maybe that's what we do, part of what we do when we come on Sundays. We tend the strings that hold the holes of our lives together. Yes, indeed, I said to him, all of our souls can slip through one of these holes and we end up isolated and alone if we are not attending to our mending. It's a spiritual skill. According to Mark, this spiritual practice cannot be deferred. Jesus calls James and John and Andrew and Peter, and it says they not only left their nets and left the boat, but there's an adverb in there. They do so immediately. I'm not sure that that's accurate. I would think that even well-intentioned fishermen would scratch their heads and go, well, let me think about it a day or two. Or maybe they had met Jesus the week before. Or maybe there was another story that we don't know that's in the back story. But the way the text tells it, when Jesus calls on them, they leave what they have and they do so immediately. Now that's another one of Mark's motifs about ministry, that everything happens with a sense of urgency. It's the shortest gospel, for one thing. Maybe he was busy trying to get everything said. It's probably the earliest of the canonical Gospels. Just to make sure, and just in case Steve Sheely was checking me, he's not here either. Make sure that you mention that I called his name. Uh, that in the Gospels, the Gospel of John has that adverb immediately four times. Matthew has it 15 times. Luke has it eight times. And Mark has it 40 times. Immediately, 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 there is a driving sense of urgency to Jesus' ministry and this good news which he preaches that the kingdom of God has come near. You hear that operative word as well? It's not abstractly in the heavens. It's not in the orbit of the world. It is near, come near. Turns out that uh, these disciples may have been looking for love in all the wrong places. They were digging in the wrong place, as we often do. I know when, I know when that God is really going to be close to me. That is when the money comes in. I know when the kingdom is near. That's when life will get better for me. I know when it's going to be when I finally feel more secure. Jesus, like John, preached the same uh, gospel. Repent and believe. Repent and believe now. God has come near. I translate repent as thinking differently. I translate believe as acting differently. They are action words. That repent and believe is not just something you did when you were 10 years old or 11 years old or when you thought you were on the deathbed. Repent and believe are present tense verbs. Keep on believing. Keep on repenting. And that's not burden. That is blessing. To wake up every morning and pray, God, grant me the serenity. To start all over the story again. I can't change yesterday. I will live in your grace and in your love today. Keep on believing. Keep on repenting. What a washing of a fresh beginning. Confession and forgiveness every day. Not once for life or once a year, but daily. We started with the story of Jonah. That's what Anakate told about with a fire engine hat. And by the way, I've heard that some of you listen more to the children's sermon than you do to this sermon. Just saying taking names. You know who you are. Well, it is pretty good, that fire hat story. Times do get tough and scary. The Jonah story is about repentance. It's about believing. That's the story. 
But it's secondarily about the repentance and the believing of wicked old Nineveh. The story's really about God's repentance. And it's about Jonah's non-repentance. God repents, the text says, and God changed God's mind. Because they changed their ways, God said, well, I guess I won't destroy them. And it made Jonah mad. And the story ends with Jonah's lack of repentance, and he sits under a gourd vine, pouting. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. Yeah, It's sort of ironic, though he's the ultimate fisherman, Swallowed by a big fish, the story goes, Jonah lacked the thing that a fisherman needs, the ability to change, the capacity to adapt. This bait isn't working, you change bait. This lure isn't working, you change lures. You're fishing over here, that doesn't work, you change and fish over here, change locations. But here is Jonah who could not change. What a a terrible epitaph, the preacher that's left pouting under the gourd vine. This is the challenge of being a Christian. It's the challenge of being a church. Like these guys standing in the boat, when do you leave behind the boat of the familiar for a new adventure with Jesus? They, they amended their mending, and they set off on a new life. Does that happen for you? Could that happen for you? Could it happen even today? What would that look like? Would that be that uh, for you, you would spend less time trying to control everybody else and more time caring about others? Could it be spend more gratitude for the life you have rather than grief for the life you don't have? Could it be about not staring so much about the future or either clinging so much to the past, but rather do, as Jesus said, look close in. God is near. As near as the friend's face sitting in this room. As near as the child's smile who sat right there on that step. As near as the hard task that awaits you when you leave here that requires effort and focus as well. Maybe Jesus chose these guys because they knew the discipline of how to mend things. But maybe these guys chose him because they knew that he could mend their lives. Even our own lives. Your life, my life. Now, isn't that a good story? It's even good news. That's why it's called gospel. Amen. It is our tradition that when a word is offered, an invitation to dedication is given. Just like when Peter and James and Andrew and John left the boats, left the nets, and said, I'm all in. Count me in. I want to be a part of this story of discipleship. Some of you may be thinking and praying over that decision today, and that's what we do in this time of invitation. The song that we will sing applies to these texts, Jesus Calls Us O'er the Tumult. Some of us grew up singing it to the tune of Galilee. That was like a little lullaby. But the lyrics didn't fit the lullaby. It fits a tune that has more structure 
and stamina and strength. And so that's the tune that we will sing it today in matching. Let's stand together and sing. Well, each time we gather, we bring our celebrations and our concerns and announcements. I bring a few of these to you this morning. A reminder that our Super Bowl will be on January 28th. That will be next Sunday, directly after the worship service in the Fellowship Hall. If you have one of those secret recipes you want to use, get in touch with Mona Steins and let her know that you're volunteering for that. Or if you'd like to help in other capacities, Please let Mona Steins know. We look forward to that. Uh, the young adults are going to be having a lunch outing after the service today. If you want details on that and to be part of it, uh, see Jeffrey in the narthex directly after the service. There will be a church and conference meeting uh, this Thursday evening. We'll be meeting to discuss the budget that was already discussed by the church council this past Monday. All are invited to the church and conference on Thursday. Now, in our own church family, I bring you uh, some prayer concerns. Heard from uh, Barbara Ashley this morning that her mother has been admitted to the hospital in Tennessee. She's there tending to her mother. We ask that you pray for her mother, whose name is Emma, and Barbara as she provides care for her mother. We pray for Barney Moore, who was discharged from Grady and is recovering slowly but well at home for Barney and Angie. And there are several families in our church family who are going through tough times, who are facing grief and struggles. So we lift them up as we lift up many in our country who are facing, as Pastor James said in his sermon, an uncertain future. Those who came to this country dreaming of stability and a future whose lives literally hang in the balance in terms of their future. We pray for them this morning. Our offertory hymn is Lord of the Dance. It takes the poetry of Sidney Carter, arranged by John Ferguson, who took an earlier Shaker hymn, and offers a meditation from the first-person perspective of Jesus. Let's continue the worship of God by the giving of our tithes and offerings and hear this hymn. And I came down from heaven as I danced on the earth and fed the 
On the Sabbath, and I cured the lame. The holy people said it was a shame. They whipped and they stripped and they hung me high and left me there on the cross to die. Dance then, wherever you may be. I am the Lord of the dance, said he, and I'll lead you all wherever you may be, and I'll lead you. loving God, you are Lord of the dance and the dancers, and you are Lord of all of us who have two left feet. Whether we can dance or not, your spirit dances among us, bringing grace and love and hope, bringing the frayed edges of our lives, mending us in hope and tying us to one another and to you in grace and love. For these offerings, we bring them in thanksgiving, in gratitude, and in love. And so bless us, help us, heal us, and hold us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.
a time in our world where it feels like we're so divided from one another, isn't it good to be able to sing about what unifies us? Also, isn't it good to hear the choir bring it every week and this Sunday? Don't you want to hear them shout again? Maybe next week. Next week. Watch for God as God comes near, especially in the smiles of friends and also the faces of children, those who laugh, those who yawn, those who love, those who are here. As we prepare to go, remember this. May the strength of Christ uplift you, the comfort of the Holy Spirit surround you, and the grace and mercy of God give you hope and give you courage this day and every day as we prepare to go in peace. Amen.